you, Stephanie and Gabby, and let's just open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could build our lives on you, the firm foundation. We thank you, Lord, for that, that we could know that you love us from the ground all the way to heaven and beyond. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I do not do well in tests. I, I, I panic in tests, so much so that I usually fail. I mean, fail, 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 fail. I think I shared with you one time, 10th grade, high school career, um, no joke, F, 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 D. I got a D. Don't do well in tests. I am generally a person who will look out the window, be kind of, you know, just looking out there. But I will tell you about a test I took when I went to Stony Brook University. Um, it's really interesting. So I needed one biology credit, just one, to be able to graduate. So I went in and I just went like this and I took a class. I walked in, the room filled about 300 people. There wasn't that many in there, maybe 50. And I was like, yes, okay. I sat in the back. Um, so I, I went through maybe about two weeks. I didn't think it was all that bad. And then we got the test. I can't tell you how excited I was. 10 questions. Who can fail a test with 10 questions? Only 10. 10. Usually it's 100. It's a multiple choice. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't figure it out. I take the test. I get one right. I run to the, I, I, I remember running through the campus to the bursar's office. Because I only had like a couple of hours to withdraw from the class, and I withdrew right away. Do you know what class I was taking? Now, you have to understand, I was a liberal arts major, political science, sociology, and psychology. I was in a pre-med class. Didn't know it. I was way over my head. Didn't know it. And isn't that what happens a lot of times to us when we have tests and trials in our lives? They just kind of show up. And it's way over our heads. So that's something that I really remember. And I'm telling you, trials that come into my life, trials and tribulations, I'm not ready for them. I don't know they're coming. They just show up at my door, and I'm like, what is going on? And I should get down on my knees and pray, but I do the exact opposite. And I've shared with you before, I'm a runner. I've always been a runner. Something makes me anxious. I'm out the door as fast as I can. That's what my heart says. That's what my mind says. And I don't know what you do, but I would just say, think about how you react when you have a trial, when something comes into your life. What do you do? What do you do? Do you do what I just said? You get down and pray or do you get angry? Do you panic? I don't know. I don't know what you do, but you answer that question. I want to think about three simple words this morning. Count, communicate, and celebrate. It was to go through James 1. That's what we're going to look at this morning. You know, it's really interesting. I did this sermon when I was home. I had COVID, COVID pneumonia, and I just, the Lord kind of put it on my heart to be able to just think about these things in James. Um, but I want you to do me a favor as we go through the message this morning. You could write it down. You could think about it in your heart, your mind. You write it down, abbreviate it if you don't want someone else to see it. But are you going through a trial right now? Is there something in your life that you're going through? Just jot it down and just remember it as we go through this. The book of James, that's where we're going to be in this morning. Tim Mackey said, listen to what he said about the book of James. 
a beautifully crafted punch in the gut. Why tells us what we need to hear. It tells us what we need to hear and what to do. A beautifully crafted punch in the gut. Because James is all about telling you the truth. He's going to tell you the truth, and he's going to tell you what to do. I've lived my life as a Christian saying, please, just tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Tell me. But you know what? I've been looking in the wrong places, looking to the elders, I'm looking to the pastor, looking to my friend, looking to my wife. I should be asking. Those are good places to go, but I should be asking God. Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's what we all should do. So think about that. A beautifully crafted punch in the gut. Ben Franklin said this. Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. James is involving you. God is involving you. Wants to involve you in what he's doing in your life. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God is doing through your trials and the challenges in your life, and they're all different for every single one here. You know, he wants you to live out your faith in Christ. Think of it this way, too. James writes a letter of encouragement, of love, and he's writing to the church to say, this is what you need to do. If you wrote a letter, if you sat down and wrote a letter to New Village, if you sat down and wrote a letter to Christians you know, what would you write? Would it be a letter of encouragement and love and this is what you need to do and I'm praying for you? Or would it be a letter of, oh my gosh, this is, everything is horrible. What would it look like? And I can tell you, some days I'd write that horrible letter and then other days I would write a really good letter. So we, as Christians, as believers, our lives are roller coasters up and down. So let's see Let's go to the book of James together. You want to follow along with me? I have no idea what the page number is. <laughs> Usually we give the page number. I don't know. It's just, if you take your Bible, go to James. I believe it's after Hebrews. James chapter 1. Consider it all joy, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. John 16.33 says, says this, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage I have overcome the world. I put that verse after reading what we're going to study because it's so encouraging from God, from Jesus. He's saying, in me you have peace. Let's, I, I need to remember that I have peace. No matter what happens, I have peace in Jesus Christ. We all do. And it's so easily forgotten. It's so easily forgotten that we have peace in Jesus and that he has overcome, he has overcome the world. And if you are in him and if you love him and you know him, then... You've overcome it too. You may not feel like it. You, you may not know it, but you have. So when we look at this, when we look at these verses that I just read, consider it all joy, my brethren. Is it possible 
that the Bible is actually saying to me and to you that when we have something happen to us, death of a loved one, COVID pneumonia, loss of a job, he actually saying, is God actually saying, count it all joy? Is it possible that he's saying that you need to see these things as a joyous thing? One pastor said it's like when you count it and consider it all joy, you're actually leaning in. You're leaning in to what's happening and to the things in your life. You're leaning into it because you're in Christ. You're in God, and you could do it with him. You could be strong with him, and, and you're leaning in. Think of it this way. If I went to Steve Massaro and I said, Steve, I have a present for you. Steve's not going to go, eh, I don't want your present. No, he's going to go, give me that. He's going to lean in and take the present that I give him. And that's what we need to do. We need to think of these things. Let me, let me just put it in perspective. J.B. Phillips puts it this way. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your lives, my brothers, and I'm going to say and sisters, don't resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. And one, if you read the message, he says they're gifts, as I was just saying about leaning in and taking, can it be possible that the things that you go through are gifts and are friends? And I keep saying the same thing. How could that be? It doesn't make any sense that that is true. Because our hearts and our minds say, I don't want trouble. Go away. Lord, take it away. Lord, what are you doing? I, I can't handle that. That's not for me. Maybe that's for them. I don't want what you're giving me. I can't do it. Five-year-old, I can't do it. That's what I'm like most of the time. My family will tell you, when I had COVID pneumonia, what a baby I am. I'm just telling you, I'm like a five-year-old baby. I want carrot cake. Like, what do you want? I want carrot cake. I'm like a, like a little kid. I finally got my carrot cake last week. It's delicious. But how do you act when you have trials? What do you do when you go through them? <sighs> Count it all joy. You know, I didn't say that your trial definitely didn't say it's fun. I definitely didn't say, hey, you know, if you get that cancer diagnosis, thank you, Lord. That's not what he's talking about here. He's not saying, say, wow, great, it's wonderful. Let's not kid ourselves. Trials are difficult and they're hard and you definitely cannot handle it on your own. You know, I remember, I keep bringing up the COVID pneumonia, um, but 2 o'clock in the morning, laying kind of in a ball on the floor with a Bible in my hand, just praying to God. And I didn't have it as bad as other people. Trust me, I did not have it as bad as other people have it. But I'm just thinking about that. What do you do when you have a trial? Do you cry out to God? And in that small way of laying there and just holding the Bible and praying to God, that's not a bad place to be. That's not a bad place to be when you get into a trial. Humble yourself before God and say, God, I can't do this. I need your help. You know, it's a process. And, and if you read those verses, please, I babble a lot and I talk a lot, and you'll probably forget half the things I say. Go home and read James 1 and look what it's saying. It's talking about these trials, count it all joy, because it's the testing of your faith. Testing of your faith, your genuine faith in God. It's more for you 
than it is for God. It's the testing of your faith in God. Don't you want to know for sure? And he's saying here, testing your faith through the trials. That's why we can count it all joy, because there's a process here. We're moving through. You're, you're being tested. Your faith is being tested, but it's going to produce endurance and patience. And he says so that you can be perfect and complete. Think of, think of um, gold. Anyone ever buy a gold necklace and have it turn green on your neck or whatever? So, so you get gold. You know how they test it? They pour acid on it. They pour acid on it. Think, think of your trials as a little bit of acid on your life. It, it hurts. But, but the gold, you can see that it's, it's precious and it's unique. And it's It's gold. And that's what God is doing. That's what he's doing. Uh, James Vernon McGee kind of says he's a, an old dead guy saint that I love to listen to. He's, if you ever listen to James Vernon McGee, he's amazing. Um, this is what he said. God tests faith to see that which is genuine. So simple. He's testing your faith to see that it's genuine. It's no different for us. Listen to this. One of my favorite verses can never be uh, used too much for by grace you have been saved through faith and this not of yourselves. Listen to that. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship. God is working in your life. Don't miss out on it. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You know, again, more homework. Go home, look at Hebrews 11. We don't have time to do it now, but take a look at the saints. What they went through and how they stood up in faith. You know, endurance and patience, steadfastness. The word steadfastness here literally means to remain under. God wants you to remain under your trials. He doesn't want you to run away. He wants you to stay under with him. He's literally right there with you. Remain under your trials. You know, think of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Lou Ferrigno. It's really dating myself, Lou Ferrigno. Half the people probably don't even know who that is, but he was the original Hulk, I think. Um, look and just think of their muscles. They didn't get all that stuff. They didn't get that muscles from, you know, like me going to Chick-fil-A. They got it from being under the weight and, and their muscles growing. And it's painful. I can tell you they've ripped their muscles off their arms inside under their skin. It was painful and it's going to be painful. You're going to have pain. But they become stronger, and you will become stronger. You know, the word perfect here, I read it, and I'm like, man, I'm in trouble. Because it says that I should be perfect. It says that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If anybody knows me, you'll know I'm not perfect. So I'm like, should I just shut my Bible and walk away? But he's not talking about, thank goodness, he's not talking about perfect. He's talking about spiritual maturity. That you become more and more and more and more and more spiritually mature each day, each second, each moment as your life goes by. 
One commentator said, he's reminding us that we must truly rejoice because trials will form in us a spiritual maturity. Don't you want to be spiritually mature? I, I desire that. I want to be that. And I thank the Lord when I get little glimpse of it here and there. You know, at the end of this first point about counting it all joy, remember that when we're going through trials, you want to count it all joy, you want to communicate with God, and the last point is I can't remember, <laughs> and I'll tell you when I get there. Um, see, I'm not perfect. But I wanted to share with you the life of jo Joseph, and you, you probably all know it, but his brothers sold him into slavery. Here's Joseph, and, and I'm just glossing over it. I'm, we're not even going to go to it, but I just think of this man, what his life was like. His brothers, his family, his family threw him in a pit and sold him. But God had a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, I think. My wife has been quoting that recently, and I went in the back uh, by David's office, or now I think it's the library, and there's a sign on there, and it says, Jeremiah 29, 11, and it said, God's plans are greater than your plans. Amen. But do you think Joseph sitting in the pit is thinking that? When you're sitting in the pit, are you thinking that? And he goes, and God does an amazing thing. Over years and years and years, he elevates Joseph to be second in command, running everything. And does God not bring his brothers to him in a miraculous way? And, and you see Joseph in front of his brothers, and the reason why I bring this up, you talk about spiritual maturity, he has a chance here to do to them what they did to him. There's a chance he could do anything he wants. He could throw them in a pit. He can destroy them and kill them. But Joseph, trusting in the Lord, trusting in God, having that spiritual maturity, being in prison himself, you know what he does? He weeps and he cries and he forgives them. That's a spiritual maturity. Can you do that? Can I do that? Because I certainly don't want to forgive people in my life initially when they hurt me. I'm like, man, if I could, I, man, I, if I knew what to do, I'd do it. But there is a spiritual maturity here in Joseph. Think of that. Count your trials as all joy. Please count them as joy because God is doing an amazing thing even if you don't think so. So our next point, and I'm going to try to move quickly through our next two points. The second one is communicate. James 1, verse 5 to 8. And I appreciate your patience as I go a little slower. <clears throat> James 1, verse 5 to 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the sea, like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that person ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man or woman, unstable in all his ways. 
It's going to read a little bit. I love J.B. Phillips. If you ever look at other versions of the Bible, you can go to Bible Gateway, you can go to so many, and you could just look at different ones. And I look at J.B. Phillips because he opens it up. to. Say, I say, wow, I get it now. The message does that too, but J.B. Phillips says this, and if in the process any of you go, does not know how to meet any particular problem, he has only to ask God who gives generously to all men without making them feel foolish or guilty. And he may be quite sure that the necessary wisdom will be given to him, but he must ask in sincere faith without secret doubts as to whether he really wants God's help. Remember that. I'll go over this, I think, in a little bit, but just remember, there are some people who pray to God and really don't want his help. You pray to him, but you don't really want the answer God's going to give you. And I thought that was so helpful. The man who trusts God, but with an inward reservations, is like a wave of the sea carried forward by the wind one moment and driven back the next. That sort of man cannot hope to receive anything from God. And the life of a man, listen, listen to this, and the life of a man or woman divided loyalty, uh, di- of divided loyalty will reveal instability at every turn. And you could probably see, you probably know people in your life. You could look at them and you could see, wow, one minute it's one thing, the next minute it's another one. This, this uh, part that um, it starts with, but if anyone lacks wisdom, sort of made me chuckle and laugh. If anyone lacks wisdom... Compared to God, we're all in big trouble, right? We all lack wisdom. I was like, I don't, I don't understand that, but I get it. But everybody lacks wisdom. So if you're reading that this morning and thinking, ha, I'm fine, I don't lack any wisdom, let me just share with you that everybody lacks wisdom, especially when you compare yourself to God. First, know that you need wisdom. You need to know that you know, when we talk about communicating, you know, first we're counting it all joy, and next we're going to communicate when you're in your trial, so we're communicating with God. You're going to God and you're communicating to him, but you need to know that when you communicate with him that you need God's wisdom. That what God wants isn't necessarily what you want. And his wisdom is much better, much better. You just ask in faith. And also in the verses was so cool. It says, you know, if you want to know what God is like, He's generous. God is generous. He's not going to make you feel foolish when you come to him. He's not going to make you feel guilty. Amen. Because we can go to people and you could leave and be like, I feel so foolish. Right? Understand this important point. You can draw near to God. uh, You can draw near to God in all joy if you are focusing on him and not your circumstances. So hard to do. Very hard to do because your circumstances are in your face. They're right there. And God's asking you, focus on him, not your circumstances. But when you do that, your circumstances will, they won't disappear. I'm sorry to tell you that. But they will work out according to God's plan. And that's really what you want. That's really what I want. It also says, don't be a double-minded man. It actually means double sold your heart and your soul this particular person is talking about is divided they they say they love god but they have a divided heart a divided soul it also says don't be a chronic doubter 
Don't be a chronic doubter when you're going through your trials. Don't be, when you go to God and communicate to him and you ask him, don't doubt. Don't be a chronic doubter. Okay, God, I pray to you. I, I believe you're going to answer me. I believe you're going to work it out. And then you panic, you get angry, and you hide. You know, I think of, uh, as I went through this, I thought of people in the Bible. You know, I thought of Joseph, obviously, and then I thought of Daniel. What it must have been like to be in that pit or cave with a bunch of lions. You know, sitting there. Because he was saying, I'm going to pray to God, and I'm going to do what God wants me to do, no matter what. So he's, there he is. And there's hungry lion. Just picture yourself in that pit. I don't even like to be around dogs, let alone a lion. I, I keep thinking they know when I'm around a dog that I'm afraid, and that any second they're going to bite me. I wouldn't have been able to do what, what Daniel did. But here he is, and I'm just going to read some lyrics from a song because I, I feel like it, it kind of answers the question about communicating to God. It says, I read about a man one day. He wasted not his time away. He prayed to God. He prayed to God every morning, noon, and night. He cared not for the things of ail, but trusted one who never fails. Is that not what I've been talking about this morning? Do you trust in the one who never fails? I hope you do. Oh, Daniel prayed each morning, noon, and night. I can tell you I, I've, I've, I've uh, over the years learned that praying morning, noon, and night is great, but for me, living, I need to pray every, <laughs> every hour. I just have to pray but you could do that. Isn't that great? You could pray to God in the quietness of your heart when everything else is going on around you and know that he hears you. And think, I would encourage you to open your Bible and look at the people that are there. They're not perfect. Look at Daniel. Look at Joseph. Look at the people who were there and look what they went through and look how they responded. You know, James, he wrote this book it says that his knees were so calloused because he prayed morning, noon, and night. Here's a man telling you, this is what you need to do. You need to communicate. You need to pray to God. But he's not telling you as a man who never does it. He's telling you from a spiritually mature person to people who he wants to be spiritually mature, this is what you need to do. So a couple of things I'm just going to share about prayer. Personal stuff, and I've asked Robbie and Peggy Henderson if it was okay that I shared, and they said it was okay, but last week I came to church, and I go up and I speak to Robbie, and as I usually sometimes do, and I believe, he can correct me, but I believe he said to me he didn't know that I had COVID pneumonia, or at least didn't know initially that I had COVID pneumonia, and he said, you know, I, it would have been nice, I could have I prayed for you. So now I'm standing there and I'm going, okay, now what do I do? Because I have another issue that I'm not really sharing with other people, but if he finds out, <laughs> that's not going to be a good thing. So, and I appreciate Robbie so much because he is praying for me. Um, so last November, I went to the doctor for stomach issues and praise the Lord, my stomach's fine, but they found a, a renal mass on my kidney. 
I really wasn't sharing with anybody, you know, kind of keep it to ourselves. Um, and I told Robbie, and he said, thank you. He goes, now I could pray for you. Now, a cool thing is I'm sitting right where my wife and my daughter and my son-in-law and my mother-in-law are sitting now. We we're sitting back there, sitting back there last week, and Peggy Henderson's sitting right at the end. And she turns and she leans to me and she goes, I hear you and I have the same thing. I'm like, she said, I have same thing on my kidney and I go for an MRI in June. I'm like, no way. I go in June for my MRI. How great it is that we share. Why am I telling you all this? Do you want to know my troubles? No. Why would you want to know them? So you could pray for me. That was the right answer. Pray for me. Pray for Peggy. But what I would say is we need to be discerning in who we tell and who we share with. But at the same time, we're a family here. And we need to be sharing what's going on in our lives with other people so they can pray for us and we can pray for them. And that's just something God's been teaching me. I, I talked to my mom yesterday on the phone. I went to Home Depot. I was getting some lights. and I'm in the car. I called my mom. And I told my mom, my wife and I told her months ago, but it always bothered me because I don't want my mother to worry. And she said, Mark, I love you and I want to pray for you. So don't, don't let people miss out praying for you. And don't miss out. Don't miss out on it. That's all I got to say. Last point, which I forgot before, is celebrate. Celebrate. James 1, verse 9 to 12. Now, the brother or the sister of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. But the rich person is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of, it, its, uh, beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So also the rich person in the midst of his pursuits will die, will die out. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, I, I did this, you know, you shouldn't Google stuff. Like, you shouldn't, because it's going to tell you the worst possible thing. This isn't that bad, but I Googled how many, how many uh, years I have left of life. You know, you could do that. Like, if you said, all right, I'm going to live till I'm 80. Um, if I'm going to live till I'm 80, how many days do I have left if I'm 56? And I'm going to take my phone only because I don't want to get the answer wrong. Um, but I believe it was I've already gone 20,000. I only have 29 left. That means I, I only have 9,000 left. What? I've already lived most of my life? With its trials and everything that happens, it's almost over? Now think of that. The, the, think of what God is saying here. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. Also the rich person in the midst of his pursuits will die out. Every single one of us are going to breathe our last and we're going to die. When I was 23, no way. I'm not going to die. I have hit my head on a brick wall, fell out of a car. I did everything you possibly could do. I'm indestructible. I can't die. I'm 56, and I may die before I go 
down into the pew. It's like you wind up seeing as you progress, you understand God gives you the knowledge you're not going to last forever. Listen to J.B. Phillips again. The brother who is poor may be glad because he has called him to true riches. The rich may be glad that God has shown him his spiritual poverty. For the rich man as such will wither away as surely as the summer flowers. One day the sunrise brings scorching wind. The grass withers at once and so do all the flowers. All that lovely sight is destroyed just as surely will the rich man in all his extravagant ways fall into the blight of decay. So I'm going to stop there with that, but just think of it. We could celebrate. We could celebrate. You know, the world kind of breaks things up to lowly and rich for some reason. I don't know why. It's poor person, rich person. And it's kind of explained here, but just think of this. A poor person can celebrate true riches. He can celebrate true riches as he believes in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. That's the true riches. And he knows that a person who doesn't have a lot understands that God is helping him and helping her through every day. And they are humbled and they know, God, you're my strength. The rich person who believes in God is humbled. He's humbled to understand that God is the one, even though he seems to have a lot here on earth. Nothing can compare to the riches that God gives. Nothing can compare to what you and I as believers will see when we get to heaven. Nothing can compare to that. We can't understand it. You can't see it. You don't really know. But it's true. It is true beyond belief. I'm going to tell you, I probably tell you too much about myself, but I'll tell you anyway. I have been obsessed with cryptocurrency. Like, literally obsessed with it. I have my phone. Um, the prices are going up. They're going down. There's Bitcoin. There's Ethereum. There's all these things. It's a crypto digital currency of the future. And I am just like, I want some of that. That's how I've been. I want some of that. And I'm like, every once in a while, I catch myself. And I'm like, Lord, I know this is wrong, but I, I got I to gotta see what the price is. And I know I should be praying to you and reading my Bible, but I always want to see what's going on. So, true story, after months and months and months of thinking I want to buy some, I took a very small, small portion of my IRA, and I opened up a Bitcoin IRA with cryptocurrency. Now, when I do this, no joke, it's 1130 at night, I've timed it, I know when the prices are going up, I know when they're going down, I know, and I hit the button, and I buy, and I'm like, yes! At the same time, unbeknownst to me, Elon Musk tweets, he tweets, he says something, and everything goes. The same time, I literally lost in <laughs> 30 seconds. It has since come back. But look, that's what life is like. You can't put your trust in this world and in money and a good college degree or a good this. Yeah, all those things are great. You want to live in a nice house and drive a nice car. Those are wonderful. Don't make them the focus of your life. And when we communicate with God and when we, we should be celebrating, we should be celebrating all that he has given us. You know, think of this. Do ask, you, you know, ask yourself this question, and maybe it's a little nosy of me, and I don't want to know the answer. 
But do you honestly, sincerely, and again, ask yourself the question, love God? That's a question between you and him. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus Christ? Would you give your life for him? He has given your life. He has given his life for you. But would you take all this junk, all this crud that we put in front of him and put it to the side? Would you do that? Will you do that? Last example of a person in the Bible. Joseph of Arimathea. Let me just read to you. It says, Joseph of Arimathea came a prominent member of the council who was himself also waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up the courage and went before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, requested of Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted him permission, so he came and took away the body. Matthew 27. Now, when it was evening, a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Think of what that must have been like for him. So he's a prominent member of the Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever group he was a part of. He was a part of that group. And he had the courage, being a disciple of Jesus, to go to Pilate and ask for the body. You know, God asks you and me to have courage to celebrate knowing our Lord and Savior and doing things that we wouldn't normally do. And I didn't mention it through, the, through this sermon, but I should have mentioned that when you go through a trial and you're counting it all joy and you're communicating with God and you're celebrating, the world is watching. And Joseph of Arimathea knew that. They're going to see. They're going to know. He didn't care at that point. The world is watching you go through your trials. You are a witness for God's glory and grace. We all are. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory for beyond all, listen, for beyond all comparison. So, as God would have it, um, and I, I know people here who are looking at me or are speakers and have spoken before, have stood up here and said the same exact thing wow, you know, I, when I prepared this message, it, I didn't know it was going to work perfectly. I didn't know that it was going to be something that matched up with what was going on. So I didn't know that either. I was sort of home and going through stuff with COVID, and this had to be at least six, five or six weeks ago. Uh, but this morning, and, and we all need to pray, and I'm going to pray for all of us. Uh, this morning, I got a text from David. And David mentioned to me that our candidate has decided not to uh, accept coming here. And I know that message to all of you right now uh, is a trial. It is a challenge. We have gone two, over two plus years without a pastor. And a lot of us had our hope in this gentleman coming here. 
But I would say, again, speaking what I spoke on this morning was God's plan. Um, and we need to count it all joy. <laughs> count it all joy. And we also need to communicate and pray to God. And we need to celebrate. God is doing something in our midst. He really is. And we need to, as a family, together, bind together in unity and count it all joy. Let's pray to him together and let's celebrate what Jesus has done on the cross for us. So let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, I do ask that we do count this news that I just gave everybody. Uh, what I just said would literally was like an unwanted friend, that, oh, an unwanted thing at the door, uh, an unwanted something nobody wants to hear. I just gave that to everybody. So I ask, Lord, that you would continue to bless New Village and help us to take this news together as a family and that we would be able to count it all joy, that we'd be able to pray to you and wait patiently for what you have to say and that we would celebrate our salvation in you. We love you, Lord. Please, we pray, be with us and continue to bless us. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen.